I resent deeply that I've got to spend $600 million of our tax dollars to treat smoking-related illness for the Medicaid population when we can't find funding for schools. It's not a function of not thinking that's important. It's about where can we get the best return on the limited number of taxpayer dollars that we have. That's really what you're seeing in this budget. It's about priorities. So I would uh, challenge the, the governor to open his mind. I would challenge him to uh, become uh, uh, casino-friendly sports gambling friendly, and most of all, cannabis friendly. Cuts and potential new revenue streams were front and center this week in Frankfurt after Governor Bevin revealed his proposed budget on Tuesday. Good evening and thanks for tuning in to Pure Politics. I'm Nick Storm. From prioritizing budget items to funding the state's pension debt, there's lots to discuss as week three of the general session winds down. And we're breaking it all down for you now in the grind. And now by producer Michonne Lindstrom and reporter Don Weber. Let's start first with uh, Michonne. The big story of the week is the budget. There's going to be some major cuts, but also some investments. Yeah, and you know everyone expected that this budget was going to have some deep cuts. Um, but really what saw the most cuts was education. Higher education and P through 12 education saw some steep cuts. Um, in fact, 70 programs were cut, and the majority of those were in education, Nick. And Don, I want to bring you in on this discussion as well. Uh, some of these cuts could impact those colleges, as Michonne said. You had a chance to talk to the Council on Post-Secondary Education President, Bob King. What did he tell you about those cuts that were in the governor's budget? Bob King is really concerned about that. And as Michonne said, of the 70 programs that were going to be eliminated, 44 of those had to do with education. 20 were in the P to 12 and 24 higher education. And you look at uh, some of the things and uh, several things Bob King's concerned about. Uh, one is how some of these schools keep sustaining these cuts every, every biennium. I mean, they're getting cut. And at this point, 6.25%. The other part of this issue is the fact that their pension payments, in other words, the payments schools will have to make on behalf of their employees is going up significantly. Uh, you've got schools uh, like Northern Kentucky University that is looking at a, uh, as much as 60% of their state allotment is going to go back to Frankfurt as part of the uh, pension payment. So it, it is going to cripple schools like NKU, at least uh, that's what the interim president there told me a, a month or two ago. And, uh, you know, that's the big thing, Nick. I mean, these schools have taking these cuts. You know, G Governor Bevin talks about how, you know, okay, they've got all this reserve cash or whatever. I don't hear that from some of the presidents that I talk to. They say that they are stretched to the limit. And you, when you cut even more, uh, you, you wonder if some programs or uh, some, you know, some things have to go. And, Michonne, it's not just the colleges that could be impacted in all of this. It's also some of the local school districts. Is There's sort of a shift in who carries what burden as the state looks to make an extra $2 billion in pension payments over the next biennium. Yeah, that's right. And, I mean, a lot of programs are going to get textbooks are getting cut. Um, they were cutting uh, professional development for teachers. So a lot of these important programs to these schools are potentially on the chopping block. Now, of course, it's not official. It's just what he proposed. So, of course, this can all change once they do come and actually bring the pension bill. 
And tax reform, Sean, has got to be a likely scenario here. Uh, we heard Governor Matt Bevin call for it multiple times in the State of the Commonwealth address. But quite, quite frankly, these things have been called for time and time again, and they never happen. Do you think it's it's likely that this time could be the time that these these cuts are or these uh, tax proposals are acted upon? Again, he, and you know, he didn't say it was going to happen this session. He said maybe potentially next year, but he did say in this budget he would like it to happen. So if it will happen in the session, who knows? Again, they do say that they're going to reform taxes all the time. Now, with the federal, federally reforming the tax reform, there may be a push, and, but if it will actually happen, I mean, we'll see. Uh, Don, you've covered some of these uh, tax talks in the past and, and even a, a committee meeting this week where they were talking about uh, an, a tax, uh, an extra dollar increase on cigarettes this year. Does that seem likely to happen? I think it will. I think that's something most lawmakers will get on board with. Uh, you know, there, there's talk of even, you know, why not do more of that uh, or maybe go up to two dollars uh, a pack. But but I think a dollar is probably what it'll be. Uh, they had people from the uh, University of Louisville Hospital as well as the UK Marquee Cancer Center uh, doctors talking about how if you raise it a dollar, that'll keep a number of kids from starting to smoke and it may take some adults off of it. Uh, it's just the cost, the Medicaid costs treating people with lung cancer who have smoked cigarettes or have secondhand smoke uh, is going up leaps and bounds every year. And uh, that's kind of the thought. Now, does this take care of the, you know, does this, is this a big part of the pension money? Probably not, but at the same time, it's something. And I think, more importantly, I think it's something that they hope will uh, just help Kentucky get, get better. You know, you were talking before about, you know, will they take up tax reform? I don't see that happening this session. I think uh, the hands are going to be full with this pension. They almost have to get that done before they go to the budget. We're 12 days into it, and uh, there's no pension bill in sight. So I would be shocked to say that they would do that in the session. Would they do it in a special session? You know, I... I think a lot of lawmakers might be uncomfortable doing that, especially the incumbents uh, going to, a t you know, having a tax reform, say, special session over the, uh, over the summer or fall right before an election. I do think it seems unlikely in an election year. However, if the, the revenues are needed and you, you have to make amends to the local community, perhaps that's an avenue to do it. Certainly after May 22nd, when a lot of these guys are going to be in primaries, once you get past that primary in some of these districts, which always go Republican or always go Democratic, it may be an easier proposition. Uh, but speaking about something else that, that may not get some traction, I'm going to bring Michonne back in and talk about this bill filed by Senator Dan Syme, a Republican from Louisville, to legalize marijuana in Kentucky. Yeah, and I mean, it is, it would bring in revenue that is needed. Again, in uh, Bevin's proposal, he had increases. So he, $34 million for opioid increases, $2.2 billion for pensions. So the recreational marijuana would bring a much-needed revenue source into the state. But we don't even have medical marijuana legal, so to go straight to recreational marijuana is kind of a, a leap in faith, I would say. It, it seems unlikely, and I think even Senator Syme said it seemed unlikely this year. He gave it 50-50, and I think those are probably better odds than most people would give it. However, he did seem to signal that perhaps we could see a move on medical marijuana. There's a bill filed in the state house by Representative John Sims working with uh, Secretary of State Allison Lundergan-Grimes. So perhaps we see something uh, take action on that. However, that's probably 
also in, in that category uh, of unlikely as there's these other big items moving through. Don, and bring you back in real quick. Don't have a whole bunch of time, but I want to wrap up talking about some of the bills that are moving. We're seeing a lot of constitutional amendments, uh, and one even uh, next week is going to be heard in the State House. Yes, and uh, it'll be interesting to see, uh, you know, where some of these some of the stuff goes. Uh, Marcy's Law is one that uh, I, I think, you know, uh, that's that's one thing that uh, Whitney Westerfield has been going. And what that is is basically victims' rights in uh, trial cases, as far as having some rights, having to, some information. And I think that's one. I think. Uh, a number of years, and I think this is the year, it, this year is primed to pass. Yeah, I, I'd agree with you, Don. It looks like it's uh, definitely going to happen this year, likely to see that move out of the uh, state house, and then look for that on the ballot in November. For all the television stations out there, they're about to get Christmas early with this legislation as they spend tons of money blanketing and, and calling for people to vote for this uh, come November. Michonne, Don, thank you so much for your time. Here today, um, we still have not seen a pension bill, and uh, I continue to read in the press and watch the news that uh, uh, they are having meetings and still looking at different uh, avenues that they might be able to take on a pension bill. Three weeks into session and still no pension reform bill has been filed. When leaders say we could see a bill when we return. The Kentucky House passed a bill expanding rape statutes for older adults who have sex with teenagers. House Bill 101 says that 16 or 17 year olds can't legally give consent to have sex with anyone 28 or older. Offenders could be charged with third degree rape if found in violation of the law, which carries a one to five year prison sentence. The bill is now in the hands of the upper chamber. A group of survivors of violent crimes have issued their recommendations for how the state can improve to better support victims of violent crimes. The Survivors Council inside of the Office of the Attorney General issued more than 50 recommendations, including a bill aimed at setting the legal age for marriage in Kentucky at 18 years old. The legislation is sponsored by Senator Julie Rocky Adams, a Republican from Louisville. There is a, a bill that uh, is in front of the General Assembly right now that addresses child marriage. There are instances in Kentucky where uh, somehow it is still legal for a 16-year-old to marry a 55-year-old. And we see um, that happening, unfortunately, across our state. So one of the members of our 25-person Survivor Council, who is herself a survivor, uh, of one of those child uh, marriages that understands the trauma uh, that comes along with it is leading the charge uh, to have that addressed. I believe Julie Rocky Adams is the sponsor of that bill and it, we look forward to it becoming law. It is the age, uh, the age where uh, marriage is allowable uh, and, it, and it certainly addresses the, the spread. At, at the same time, uh, we have bills each and every year that try to address consent. Uh, there are bills out there right now that would say that you cannot give consent uh, when the victim, because they are a victim, is 16 and the uh, perpetrator is over 26. Uh, there's a wonderful advocate named Jenna, who is a survivor uh, who was sexually assaulted by her boyfriend's father, uh, who is pushing this bill to make sure that this doesn't happen uh, to other people out there and that if it does, they can 
uh, secure justice. Both those bills are before the Senate Judiciary Committee, chaired by Senator Whitney Westerfield. Meanwhile, in the House, we're hearing lawmakers really aren't much closer when it comes to pension reform. Talks between House and Senate leadership have picked back up. But House Acting Speaker Pro Tem David Osborne admits it will be difficult to work on the budget with pensions left unresolved. Well, certainly funding the pension makes the, the budget more difficult. Uh, that's the reason that we've gotten in this place is because we haven't made those difficult decisions in the past. Um, there's never a good time to come up with the amount of money that we need, but if we don't start now, then, then we'll never start. As I told you yesterday, we, we met with the Senate, um, had several conversations about different scenarios, requested uh, some new information from the systems, and I'm still waiting for that to be back. Would hope it would be back in a couple days. During Governor Bevin's State of the Commonwealth and Budget Address, he also called on lawmakers to enact tax reform in an effort to reduce the need for deep across-the-board budget reductions. Osborne was asked about the likelihood of lawmakers taking up reforms in this session. Again, difficult. I think that the, the desire is there to do it. I think that overall, the, the body at large wants to tackle pension, I mean, uh, tax reform. But again, it's, it's very difficult to do that with, with also trying to pass a budget, trying to pass pensions and all the other legislation we have to pass. Not impossible, but, but certainly difficult. Democratic Minority Floor Leader Representative Rocky Atkins is frustrated that a pension bill still may be weeks away and that Democrats have not been included in the pension talks. As we stand here today, um, we still have not seen a pension bill. And uh, I continue to read in the press and watch the news that uh, uh, they are having meetings and still looking at different uh, avenues that they might be able to take on a pension bill. Um, being the Democratic leader in the House, I still have not received a phone call to come to any type of meeting with the Republican majority and really have our input on a direction forward with the pension bill. So um, um, my thought is I don't know when it's coming. Uh, I continue to hear there's pieces and parts and bills that's being scored, but as far as knowing when a bill will be filed, uh, I have no idea, have not seen a bill myself. Atkins would like to see the pension reforms enacted by the General Assembly in the 2008 and 2013 session be allowed to continue and not allow a lot of the cuts Governor Matt Bevin proposes to prop up the underfunded pension plans. Everybody's talking about pension reform. Mm -hmm. Um, and what I'd like to talk about is the reforms that were done in 08 and the reforms that were done in 2013. We did major reform. In 2014, 13 was when the bill was passed, took place in 14. We fully funded the ARC in 2014 budget, 2016 budget. Uh, we created a tier three, which was still a defined benefit, uh, but there's over 50-some thousand now state employees that are in the tier three, still a defined benefit. We put in place the Pension Oversight Board as well, and uh, we done a $3 million audit of the system. So I would like to tell you from that, if you look at the returns in the state retirement system, we had a growth of 13.5% on those investments in return back to the retirement system. Teacher retirement had a 15.5% growth uh, of investments back into teachers' retirement. So I would tell you that the reforms that we have made in the past are working. When we passed the 13 reforms, we said we're looking at a 25 to 30 year recovery. And the reason we said that is we had two crashes of the stock market, 2002 and again in 2008, and then went through uh, what was called uh, the Great Recession. And coming out of that now, 
we're seeing recovery and we're seeing the pension system start to do better because of those reforms that we did in 2013. Um, so as we move forward, uh, the governor's recommendation in his budget was to fully fund again the ARC. And I think if we continue to do that, we'll see the reforms that we put in place in 08 and again in 13 really start to have a major impact without making this major reform to the pension system that in my opinion, in the long run, number one, we don't know uh, how it's gonna have an impact on the unfunded liability. We saw that the governor's plan actually costs more money. Moving to a 401k or 401a, we see where other states have done that and it has cost the state more money and most of those states have come back to a defined benefit. So my recommendation is let's keep what we got, but let's fund it. And this governor's budget does fund the ARC, the reforms that we have made in the past. A number of House Democrats led by 43-year veteran Representative Jody Richards of Bowling Green have not decided to seek re-election. Atkins admits that he hates to see all of that experience go, but he's hopeful that new blood will re-energize his party and bring new ideas to the General Assembly. He also doesn't think the exodus has come about because Democrats are now in the minority. It is a tremendous loss uh, of knowledge to this institution, the House of Representatives here in Kentucky. If you combined all of those years together, you'd be looking at hundreds of years of service here in the House chamber. And to lose that knowledge to this institution uh, really is, is, is not a good thing. But let me say, uh, many of our members who are retiring uh, have not just been talking about it for the last week or the last month. Many of those members have been uh, mulling, debating this for the last four to six years. Some of those members that we've had to encourage to run again in the past uh, now have made a decision uh, to not run again. But let me, let me say this, you know, new blood in the system, uh, uh, fresh individuals that uh, we are recruiting to come here, uh, individuals who want to get in the game, who want to be a part of this process, uh, those are the kind of candidates that we're recruiting to replace individuals who are retiring from our House Democratic Caucus. And I'm very encouraged by the talent and the quality that's stepping forward in many of these seats across Kentucky. For instance, down in Bowling Green, you know, Jody Richards serving for over 40 years and, and you know, bringing in somebody that uh, he has nurtured different. We'll probably have a primary there and maybe other places, but to be able to have that kind of talent step up, uh, up in Arnold Simpsons and others across Kentucky, quality people are stepping forward uh, to, to replace those members in our House Democratic Caucus. And uh, we're looking forward to those campaigns. And I think where you have good talent and, and you have quality individuals running as candidates, uh, you can win and I think we will win. The deadline to fund the government is nearly upon us. The Senate is now just hours away from an entirely avoidable government shutdown. The clock is ticking to avoid a government shutdown. The latest on the negotiations next. The government will shut down tonight at midnight if no deal is reached. The House narrowly passed a short-term spending plan last night. 
The bill will fund government for the next month and reauthorizes the Children's Health Insurance Program for six years. But it faces a tough road in the Senate, with Democrats vowing to vote against the bill until a deal is reached on immigration. Early this afternoon, President Trump and Senate Minority Leader Chuck Schumer met to discuss reaching an agreement. However, at the time we taped tonight's program, no deal had been reached. Senator Mitch McConnell took to the Senate floor earlier today, urging members to vote in support of the short-term spending plan passed by the House last night. We already have a bill that we know can pass the House because it already did. We have a bill that we know the president will sign into law because he's already committed to do just that. We know that with one non-controversial and bipartisan vote, we can keep the government up and running. We can fund the children's health care program for six years. And we can give ourselves the time we need to finish ongoing negotiations on DACA, <coughs> border security, and the long-term needs of our military. And, Madam President, we could do all of that today. All of it. Or, or, our Democratic friends can continue to take the Democratic leader's advice and vote to shut down the government, destabilize funding for our troops, shut down the children's health care program, and still not get what they're demanding on illegal immigration. It's really up to them. I look forward to voting soon on cloture on the House bill. The American people, the citizens who actually elected us, will be watching. U.S. Representative Andy Barr's campaign will get some help from the White House. Vice President Mike Pence is launching a cross-country campaign tour to help boost Republicans in the 2018 election. Pence announced he will make a stop in Kentucky to stump for Representative Barr, who's facing a tough re-election in the 6th Congressional District. There are three top-tier Democrats who will battle it out for the Democratic no nomination to take on Barr, including Lexington Mayor Jim Gray, former Marine Corps fighter pilot Amy McGrath, and State Senator Reggie Thomas. Does it for tonight's edition of Pure Politics. Remember, you can stay up to date by checking out our website. It's mycn2.com and then clicking on politics. You can also follow us over on social media. Follow us on Twitter at Spec News Kentucky or on Facebook. Thanks for watching and thanks for being informed. Have a great night.